You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to the Content Academy podcast. I am Paul Caffrey and I'm joined by Philip McGrath. What up with it, my friend? Oh, everything. I'm really excited because this episode of the Content Academy podcast has Mark Asquith come on. Um, Mark is a really great guy. He worked for the Ministry of Defence and then decided to quit his day job, started a number of businesses and has made his way into the online world where he really is making waves. So um, he also has a podcast called The Small Business Podcast. And what he does is he focuses on helping small businesses be able to take action in the pursuit of excellence. Uh, and he talks a lot about that and how he's created content and how he's been able to create content that actually serves his audience better uh, on this show. Uh, there's a lot of great tips within it. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and so I hope everybody enjoys the show. Well, I'll tell you what, Paul, you've got me sold on it and I was even there. So let's get straight into it. This is Mark Asquith. Yes, as I said, we have Mark Asquith on the line from excellentexpected.com. Mark, how the hell are you this morning? Um, good, thank you, sir. How are you? Yeah, can't complain, can't complain. A little bit rough around the edges after uh, a big weekend of sport, but nevertheless, business is back up and running. <laughs> good, glad to hear it. I suppose just before we kick into the, the nuts and bolts of the podcast, Mark, uh, you might just give our audience a little bit of a background on yourself, uh, kind of where you started online and what you're up to these days. Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. So I started online probably, well, actually, I was going to say I started online in 2004, which is kind of rubbish. That's when I just locked myself away and started learning more stuff. I actually started probably 1999-ish um, when I got my first job uh, and just really kind of always wanted to figure out what the internet could do for people. And, you know, I, I was I was working in data at the time, which was so dull, man. Jesus, man, that was, it was so, so dull. And... Um, I moved, I guess, into online after working up through the corporate world up until about 2004. And a couple of things happened in 2004 when I, I quit my job in uh, in the corporate world around early 2005. And just prior to that, middle of 2004, I used to be in a band um, and, and we needed a website. So I started learning how to build websites. And at the time, it was Macromedia Flash when Macromedia was going back, We're going back away there, all right. <laughs> You're not kidding. And, uh, you know, I used to dig around in Flash and I'd have a bit of a good time with it. But then in 2005, I quit the job. I just bailed on the corporate world. It was just dull, really dull. And I became a consultant, so a digital consultant working with the MOD, the NHS, uh, some of the big banks over here in the UK, and did all sorts of kind of digital consulting on, on, on certain systems that they implemented, uh, all the while learning how to code things, learning how to build things. So, you know, by the end of 2005, I, I was pretty much a freelance digital consultant, but also a freelance developer as well. And, uh, you know, web designer, if you like. So I was around that time building websites for people. And that's kind of just escalated then. You know, I created an agency, which is, is the agency that we run now, and various other businesses that, that I still run today. And the content that I create now is really around small business, helping small business excel, helping them define, challenge, and conquer uh, issues that plague them. So it's you know you know my foray into the web start with development and training, and then has become this content creation path that I think so many of us are actually on at the minute. 
Hey, Mark, how, how did you find the step into the content creation? Obviously, I suppose the data um, and program and background becoming a content creator. Was it a bit of a leap or, or how did you how did you move into that world? Um, well, I was kind of a terrible developer anyway. I was just a terrible developer. I was never really a big back end guy. And, you know, I never really focused on, on um, kind of server side dev or even heavy JS stuff. I was just really interested in the, the HTML and CSS stuff. And I realized when I created the agency that actually my skills lie in communicating with people. I'm just much better at communicating with people than I am at, at building things. So I still like to dabble with that. You know, it's great to have that background because it means I can build my own stuff. I can debug my own stuff. Um, and I work with a lot of fantastic developers anyway. So my, my skills are still kind of always reasonably up to date. Um, but the step into content creation was kind of logical. I've always been quite a loquacious guy. I'm quite a chatterbox and, you know, I do sometimes ramble on. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where the content creation just kind of came naturally. So, Excellent. So yeah, I suppose it's like a lot of people, we kind of, when we're starting off early in our career, we, we go out and we, we do what's expected of us, you know, be it getting the education or getting that job and just kicking on. But obviously you're brave enough to walk away from the corporate world, which is a big move in itself. Um, as regards, I suppose, if we look at it, obviously you, you'd, you'd blog a lot um, and you're focusing on, I suppose, helping small businesses. Um, is there, you know, any tips you'd give small businesses when trying to, you know, create content online, uh, anything that, that they should be doing? Well, I think it's really simple. Most people just say, well, I've got nothing to say. Most people assume that they've got nothing to say, but that's obviously complete rubbish because everyone's an expert at something. Everyone's got a whole host of knowledge in some kind of niche or specific area. So the thing to do is just figure out where the intersection of your knowledge and the problems of your consumers, your readers, your customers, your prospects, the intersection of your knowledge and their problems because that's where the solutions are. That's where you can create your content. Um, so that's that's the thing I always advise. You know, it's this overarching framework or this overarching idea. But you know, pick that intersection where your knowledge meets the problems of the people that you want to serve, and you you, you should really never run out of content at that point. No, and I, I really like that, Mark. Obviously, it's you're, you're kind of nearly defining the problem that your audience has, and I kind of I've heard it said in one or two other places as well. But if you if you can define the problem better than your your market, well, then they'll automatically kind of look to you as a leader within that market. So I really like the fact that you're telling people to get in there and have a look at exactly where your knowledge base cross, where your audience are at, and see where you can most effectively help them, and that will in turn bring on your authority within that market. Absolutely, and I mean, I suppose in, in terms of you. Um, creating your content clearly we can tell straight off the bat you're a very busy man with lots of fingers and lots of pies as uh, so to speak and um, but i mean you blog an awful lot i mean i'm looking at the uh, excellence expected uh, website and i can see the dates on a lot of your blog content going out i mean there's a number of posts going out on the same day even um, in terms of streamlining that and planning it how does that look for you i mean is it an editorial calendar with everything process down to a fine tea or are you one of those people who just like to have a rough list of topics that you want to talk about it's actually a mix of both to be honest i run the normal wordpress editorial calendar on the back end of my website but what i've done is i've hacked that a little bit so i've got some custom statuses in the back end of my wordpress site which give me things like um uh, instead of it just being a draft post or a pending or a scheduled post or a published post i've got extra statuses which are to write um needs images, um, things like email VIP list only. So I know that content's only going out to the VIP list. And then I schedule it in. So I know, for example, that Monday and Thursday I do podcasts. 
Um, there's a new episode every single Monday and every single Thursday. Tuesday, I put a blog post out, which has just changed, actually. That used to be Wednesday. Um, and Wednesday, my VIP email goes out to just the subscribers. Uh, and likewise, that's changed. That used to be Tuesday. And I know on Friday that I do a small business lunch periscope show, 12 p.m. UK, 15 minutes. And that gets published onto the website the same day as well. So I've got a very specific schedule of content. And then what I do is I book time in every single week to get that content authored. So I know that I've got, uh, I think tomorrow I've got an hour's worth of writing to do, the day after I've got an hour's worth. And then every Friday at 3 p.m. I just publish. So I set all my content up ready to go for the week after. So all my content for this week is ready to rock. It's, it's going out automatically because I did it last week. Um, on the flip side of that, to address the side of, you know, do I have a pile of ideas? Well, yes, I do. Now, <laughs> like most of us, I get the ideas when I'm, you know, whatever, when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving to work, when I'm running, you know, to the gym, whatever, you know, I'm walking the dog. So I, I do a number of things with that. I use voice memos a heck of a lot and just record my ideas. But the other side of the coin is that because I've got that editorial calendar in WordPress, I just dive in there instantly. You know, if I've got an idea, I quickly, very often, just note the idea inside a blog post for mm. next week or the week after or, you know, whatever. Um, and what I tend to find is that trends seem to appear. So as an example, last week, um, I think I I think I did three pieces of content around becoming more productive. And the VIP email list got one piece of content, which had one angle. The blog post was another one. And then the Periscope show was another angle. So, uh, yeah, I, I do find that I'm just I'm, I'm quite organized. But then at the same time, I keep all these ideas flowing by running that calendar. Yeah, and I mean it's it's really interesting that obviously with the, the the segmentation that you have going on within within your uh, your business, that you can stick to a rough kind of same topic, but create separate content for each medium. So obviously your list gets one piece, the blog gets another, and then as you said, Periscope is something now that you're doing every every Friday, and uh, but it all runs along a main theme. I mean, in 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 terms of those themes, how far in advance do you try and plan that out? Do you know, I don't really plan it out. I, I find that I struggle with planning. I work better when I've got something, not off the cuff, but something where the week before I have an idea for it. The reason for that is it's more fresh in my mind and it's influenced by my state of mind at the time. Um, I find it very difficult to tap into what I felt like two, three, four weeks ago. So much rather I write the content. So for example, I'll be writing content for next week, this week. And the content next week will reflect the challenges that I'm facing this week or the questions I'm being asked. Um, so I, I try not to go too far in advance with that. And I, I'm kind of lucky with the podcast as well because it's a bit, it sounds a bit lazy, actually. The, the guests actually just tell me what they want to talk about. And they give me all the tips and all the background. You know, there's a very specific format. So it's He's pretty autonomous, which is kind of nice. Well, we, we kind of take the opposite approach. <laughs> but I know what you mean. I mean, it, it's nice, I suppose, in terms of having so much going on that you don't necessarily have to put a lot of prep into that either. No, it is. It's, it's very handy. And the good thing as well is, I mean, I do some some research on the person, and there's a lot of people that I already know that are guesting on the show anyway. Mm. Um, but very specifically, I, I did set that up on purpose because someone is always going to talk better about what they are comfortable talking about. So I just let them dictate because as long as it defines challenge and conquers as a small business problem, then that's, you know, that's my remit filled. So it is kind of a nice way to do it. Yeah, and no, I really like that. And I suppose the, the key thing there is, 
when people get engaged with your content, they know what to expect. You know, as I suppose, as you say, you define it early on and people know what they're going to get. And one thing I really like uh, about your, your online content, really, it's your, your start here page, um, which maybe you share with your audience, you know, the thinking behind setting that up. It's a good question, actually. It's a very interesting notion because it sounds so obvious. And not only that, it sounds kind of almost oversimplistic. Like, really? You're literally putting the word start here as a button, the first thing that you see on the homepage. Well, it's, it's a very interesting point because so many people on websites just don't know where to go. And, you know, if you've got the 80-second attention span that everyone else has got, you know, we've got a worse attention span than goldfish right now. So what tends to happen is the, the website in particular has got a heck of a lot of content. Now, if you were to if you were left to meander through that, then that's fantastic. But the trouble is, you know, you might not necessarily find anything that you particularly like. So knowing the kind of people that come to my website, knowing the kind of people that listen to the show, I created a start here page. So you land on the website, it tells you exactly what the website does. It will help you define, challenge, conquer issues in your business. Start here. By doing that, you're actually able to take people to a page that says, right, here's what you will get from this website. Here are three places that I recommend you start based on me knowing exactly you know, what my avatar is. I, I've got a very good guess around the kind of people that are coming into my website. And it's, it's really good because it not only gives them something to hook to, it gives them a place to start. It also means that if you've got a lot of long tail traffic, People are going to come in on some random page on your site. You know, they might land at excellence-expected.com forward slash episode 103. They'll then click to the homepage. And yeah. at that point, they know exactly where to start. So it, it really does work. And from my perspective, it's great because it means that, let's say, the top three interviews that I've ever done, one of them gets superseded by something that I think is even better. I just swap that out on that page and people are always getting the best content. So it, it, it just does serve a number of purposes, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it really goes to, to build authority. At least you're, you're giving people um, a view into the content, the, I suppose the premier content that you're creating. And obviously we see interviews with John Lee Dumas, Sky Kawasaki, Brad Burton, um, which is fantastic and great people to be talking to and working with. So I've been able to highlight that to people who find you, I think is, is a very, very clever and very good idea. And obviously nicely laid out. You've got your um, your lead magnet there, you know, 14-day guide to quoting your working hours. Uh, which is, is great because obviously that's another thing which I suppose I'm, I assume your your avatar being small business owners who are people who are always typically maybe working excessive hours getting things going and getting things started or even as the business is going again you know you're serving your audience that's something which I really really like um as I suppose as regards you know email marketing and and you know having the list which is is so important um how would you say that affects your business it's an interesting one because you can't abuse the list. And I've just, I've actually just trimmed down all of the content that I sent to my list. I used to send every, <laughs> sounds ridiculous actually when I say it out loud. I used to send every podcast to them, which was great because it got some click throughs, you know, it increased the listenership, superb. So mm. they were getting an email every Monday and Thursday. Then they get the VIP email either Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on, on, on the time of year. Um, and then they get the small business lunch reminders on Friday. They get two emails about that, one saying, here I am, I'm live, and then one at 3 p.m. saying, the replay is yeah. on the website. So, man, I was killing them. You know, I was really, really overkilling it. And I just stopped doing that. And the, the, the 
the reason that I stopped doing that was because I didn't want people to re- really be frankly annoyed by the, the, the level of content and cause unsubscribes. But the the really positive byproduct of that is that I've been able to focus on generating completely unique content just for that list. Whereas before I was kind of a bit lazy. Now the impact Yeah, that- just sharing what you're doing. Yeah, it's a pretty common uh, trap to fall into because obviously all the work you're putting in and you're very proud of content you provide. And we're supposed to, the big thing to watch out for is maybe, you know, so it's email blindness. Obviously, we, we kind of saw that with maybe, you know, Google ads or whatever else. People have become blind and click-throughs are extremely low. Um, so I would say, if I suppose, if your content is the same, or I suppose you don't want to get people used to getting the same kind of reminder for the same podcast, uh, for the same pieces of content, because if they like consuming it, they're probably going to be already picking that up anyway. So you might just be kind of wasting time and having people scanning past. But how, how have you um, been able to, I suppose, get that greater engagement with, with your list? It, do you make it blatantly obvious that this is content exclusive for your list? Or do you, do you do anything else to maybe get them interested? I do. I just tell people, it's just like you can only get this content if you're on the list. And very often I'll, I'll share more specific things with the list so I'll go very very deep into my own personal issues or my personal challenges or the things that I do in my processes the software I use how I use the software uh, you know even facts and figures even even click-through rates and money that I've made off certain things I'll share with that list so that they can know how to do it so yeah I, I do tell people and, and very often when I've got a piece of content for example this week I've got a piece of content going out um to the list which is the subject header is no one cares about your newsletter so i shared that on facebook i said listen guys you know i've got a piece of content going out which is no one cares about your newsletter it's only available to the list here's how you get on the list and you know that that one share generated 30 signups so it's it's very blatantly obvious that you will only ever get that content if you are on that list and i think it's you know then it's about showing well, okay, it's, these aren't just blog posts. These are probably more personal insights. These are probably the deeper pieces of content that I share with people that I trust. So, you know, that that's how I promote it. And it seems to work all right so far. Excellent stuff. And I mean, I'm just looking at some of your blog content here. I know obviously certain amounts that you put out, like you said, it goes directly just to your email list. Do you find after a time then, if you've sent out a piece of content that you've said is exclusively for your list, would you leave it maybe six, eight, ten months and then maybe decide to publish it on the site if it was still relevant? Short answer, yes. The long answer is you've got to be quite careful with it because you don't Mm. want to annoy the people that have signed up. But that said, obviously the time caveat is a big one. And it's it's whether you feel the wider audience will get value from it. And I think if, if you do believe that, then there's nothing wrong with publishing that. But you do have to have that time caveat. Um, and I think there's there's always something there's always something interesting in the fact that you've got to just keep pushing content through your website. Mm. And you know, what you'd hate to do is deprive your website of the good content just because you know You're trying to grow a list. Exactly, yeah. So it's a very it's an interesting balance, but I do believe that time caveat is a very, very good point. I think if you do it, you've got to be very open. And there's nothing wrong with saying as well at the beginning of a post, this post was originally a VIP email. Here's how you can get this content quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, That's, I was just going to ask you, would you would you do that? Would you tell them, do you know what? If you were on my list, you would have gotten this earlier. So perhaps now is a good time to sign up so you're not waiting 10 months to see this again or you know something similar. Therefore, yeah, go down the line. 
I do believe that's a, a great idea. And I think there's also something around if you're going to start doing this, like, for example, if you create a piece of content, you know, is very, very good like in your in your gut, you know, that's mm. good content. And if you if that's your email, fine, send it out. But in your gut, you know, it's bloody good content. What I think you could do is give the VIP list extra value. So, for example, let's assume this newsletter post. We send that out to the VIP list this Wednesday, and then what we do is we say, well, all right, in six months' time, we're going to publish this to the website. At that point, there's no harm in creating, I don't know, three ways you can supercharge your email. You know, some kind of PDF giveaway or a video or a free little course. Give that to the list and say, well, listen, guys, I've published this content publicly, but by way of payment to you guys, you're on my list. You know, I owe you something. Here's this extra bit of value pertinent to that content. Mm. Now, the good thing with that is that reactivates their interest in that blog post as well. So they might go and visit the site um, to revisit that blog post. So, you know, there's a few ways that you could think think about energizing that content again. Yeah, I really like that. Again, you're offering an extra value. You're going above and beyond. And it it certainly will have an effect on your list and the responsiveness that when they see an email coming through again, they're going to pay a little bit more attention because there might be an added bonus in there for them. And if they really like the first one, it's a really good way of getting your click-through rates and your open rates uh, running a little bit higher. So I really, really like that. And I mean, I'm just looking at um, I'm looking at a post here you wrote back in September. And I'm just looking at the layout. And uh, I've looked at the layout in a lot of your blog posts. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. What I really like is looking at it is nice, clear image, not too big, um, but they're really crisp and really clean. But it's very scannable. I like the fact that it's chunked down into small little segments, nice captions where we can scan through and see where we're getting from them. The question really is, obviously, we know how you've done that, but how long did it take you to realize that that was where the way you should be about publishing it? Quite a long time. And actually, there was more of a mindset shift to be had because, like I said earlier, I'm quite a loquacious guy. I write like I talk, which is not always good with a Barnsley accent, which is it makes it difficult for people to understand a lot of the slang that I put in. Yeah, you should but, try doing it here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised people can actually understand us. We've got two Irish guys and we've got a Barnsley guy. People are just thinking, what is going on? Yeah, it's nice for a change in fairness. And I actually, we recently had a, had, a, had another guest on from the UK and we were actually just commenting on how, how refreshing it is to have someone on this side of the time, time zone, I suppose, this side of the world uh, on the show because, we, you know, it's a lot of Americans, a lot of Australians, uh, some South Africans it's you know you're kind of that side of the world so it's, it's nice for a change I suppose yeah yeah I completely hear you on that one I get the same thing with the show as well but uh yeah the, the the way to present that content as I said that became a bit of a mindset thing because like I said I'm a pretty loquacious guy and I ramble on and you know my when my brain runs away with me my mouth just tries to keep up so I had to really really try and focus on editing the content and making it as you say making it scannable of course you know, things like some of the design aesthetic on the website, so the paragraph spacing and the line height and all that kind of stuff, that really helps. But ultimately, you've just kind of got to get to the point without sacrificing your personality. And that was the mindset that I had to get into. I had to try and trim down a lot of my um, chatter and just make it focused content. And that's how I ended up with that kind of text on there. So it it's always under refinement. You know, I'm always changing the way that I do that kind of thing. So that's probably a work in progress to be fair as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always interesting when we speak to guests, it's kind of, you know, you, 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 when you have a chat with them and you kind of say, well, how long did it take you to come around to that? And everyone kind of says the same thing. You know what? It took me a while to realize that this is what I needed to be doing. The content was always good, 
but it was just wasn't laid out right and that can take away a large part of how much your audience is going to consume if it's just not laid out correctly and it's not making it easy for them to read and i mean obviously you kind of you mentioned your editing there and that's something that you obviously do once it's been written but in terms of when you're writing mark um are there any major considerations that you kind of would have in terms of these are the key considerations I need to keep in mind while I'm writing this post. And I don't necessarily just mean in terms of the topic, but is there a kind of way that you like to lay it out in terms of here's here's your intro, it's going to be bolded out, we're going to get the hook in here, then we're going to have a little bit of teaching in here, then we're going to break down this this common misconception maybe that we're trying to get across or something along those lines. Is there is there a specific way you might lay that out? Yeah, that's a really great question. So there's a couple of ways to answer that one. The first one is, physically when i'm writing i use i use a couple of tools for writing i use writer um by i think it's ia writer which is a great bit of kit it's just distraction free writing yeah no it's nice it's a superb kit and i use ginkgo as well um adriano ferrari's piece of kit which is just a, a more structured way of writing longer form content and what i do is at the top of every single post or whether it's a email or whatever basically i have three things i have the subject matter if you like so what you know what's the kind of crux of this article i then have the call to action so what i want people to do at the end of it and sometimes that's just to you know give it a share or you know jump on the email list whatever that is um and then if it's an email i add a third in which is what is the actual subject line of the email and then when i start my content i don't have a written formula for it but actually what i try and do is i try and keep the define challenge conquer format that the podcast show keeps so i'll always define the problem to start with i'll challenge it using my own insights my own research my own facts you know my own opinions and then i'll conquer it at the end by saying well listen here's what i think you could probably do to overcome this um so i do keep that three-step process in mind and you know it, it stands me in pretty good stead i actually did start putting in those headers define challenge conquer if you look back at some of the earlier articles and then it it became too stunted so I, I, I do keep the format, but it's a little bit more um, Yeah, keep it, make it a little less predictable, I suppose, at least. then. Yeah, a bit fresher. So you're, you're still addressing it, but it's, it's not so obvious. Um, I really like the way that you called in, you know, the, you put in the, the CTA, as such it's called action. I think that's something a lot of people kind of forget uh, online and don't do it enough. But, you know, what, what are the ranges of, of call to actions that, that you would put on your site? And, you know, is there any different types of CTAs you might put on different types of content? Well, I think you always need a, a broad set of calls to action across your entire site. So, for example, with Excellence Expected, you know, I don't really sell anything on that. So my primary call to action will always be someone to come onto the email list. That is always number one. And as a secondary call to action, it will always be listen to the show or go ahead and click through to a, another part of the website. And then a tertiary one might be, you know, give it a share or tell a friend or whatever. Um, so broadly speaking, those are my three types of call to action. Then what I do is I figure out, okay, am I giving people enough value to warrant my primary call to action? So if I feel that a blog post is good enough or strong enough or gives enough value, then I'll feel confident enough to ask them to sign up. But when I sign up, what I will do is I'll create an extra piece of content. Um, so as an example of that, if you look at the – there's a post on there which is about Periscope yeah. being the ne next big thing. Um, I created a little lead magnet, which is just an infographic, three ways to get started with Periscope and Blab. That's a – you know, it's a relatively strong post. So I felt confident saying, well, listen, there's an infographic here. If you want it, go ahead and download it. 
uh, you end up on the email list. If I think that content is maybe more of an opinion piece, maybe more commentary than anything else, then I'll I'll want to do the secondary call to action. So I want to guide them to something else rather than, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel that I've given them enough value to ask them for something so valuable as their email address. So I'll send them somewhere else, which is my secondary call to action. So I think it's about setting some top level calls that you want across your entire website and then figuring out whether you believe any piece of content warrants any one of those calls to action. But as a, as a worst case, you should always ask people to share it. Mm. And I mean, here's something I, I've been I've been kind of looking at over the last little while, Mark, and obviously we've, we've been around a good number of years at this stage, and CTAs are very, very important. And I, like Paul said, I like the fact that you have your CTA in mind while you're writing, which is fantastic because it does ultimately determine whether you're going to get that get people to click on click and take that action. Traditionally, we've seen CTAs are normally just a, a link, a, a hyperlink at the end of a piece of text that'll say, you know, join my list or give, give my Facebook page a like. And I just wanted to ask you, what would your thoughts be on using a CTA slightly differently? Do you think that it has to be a hyperlink or could could you in theory see a time where CTAs start becoming small embedded videos at the end of articles or on something along those lines, something interactive? I think that's a good question. And I think the interactivity is a fantastic thing. Um, However, I always fear that you are asking people to wait a little bit longer. You're asking people to take an extra step. So, you know, they've got to click that. They've got to figure out if that content's viable and whether it's worth them watching or listening to. Then they've got to click again, and then they've got to put their email address in. So I think if the content's valuable enough, that's a fantastic way of doing it. Um, but it would need to be really powerful content. And there's a couple of ways that I'd, I'd sort of spin that around as well. Um, you know, you could do something which is more around upgraded content, if you like. So what you could do is you could say, well, listen, guys, here's a blog post or here's a podcast. I've actually recorded another video, which will give you three secrets to how I made this happen, you know, how I achieved a conversion of whatever, you know, some kind of extra value. But actually, you lock that content down uh, and you put an inline sign-up form within the blog post and say, well, if you pop your email address in here, mm. it will instantly, it's not double opt-in or anything like that, yeah. it's in instantly opening that content up. Um, and I, So I think both methods, I think, I think the method that you mentioned, I think we'll see a lot of that, especially as we see mm. video editing and video recording come right down in price. I think you'll see people do that. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, it's just a conversation we've been having here in the office mm. and we're kind of talking about it, kind of going, well, CTAs are, are kind of, they're always just a hyperlink and we're kind of going, why is that? That's, that's the standard, but why? Can we not change that standard? Can we, can we not be different? Can we not do something a little bit off the cuff and maybe try and boost, boost our, uh, our, our action rates on those CTAs? You know, and it's just, just a conversation. I was just interested to get your take on it. I think it's valuable. I, I think if it's, if it's pitched the right way, and I think if, if it's pitched in so far as well, it's Phil and Paul here. We're going to give you some extra value. And actually, listen, you can see our faces. You can listen to our voices. We're legitimate people. We're asking you as people to take this action of signing up. Then I think it could be very, very powerful. Um, it's just I think the format would perhaps need some thinking about. But principally, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Again, the little back and forward we've been having. Um, I suppose we're, we're getting on for time, Mark, and I'm conscious of not uh, taking up too much of your valuable minutes. Um Obviously, you've mentioned you've started doing your show every Friday on Periscope. Um, Periscope, obviously, is, is is kind of the new latest 
biggest and best in in terms of marketing how were you finding that and how how did you find coming up with a format that you could reproduce every week well this is this is an interesting question again i mean the, the periscope is one of those things where it's okay do you jump on the bandwagon is it just the next thing but I really like the idea of just being able to get in front of people and show my face really, really quickly. And I'm big into personality marketing. You know, I, I'm sat here today wearing old retro Adidas trainers and a flash T-shirt. And I would have no qualms at all in doing a Periscope talking business dressed in a bloody flash T-shirt. So I'm I didn't really, hear any mention of trousers there, Mark. Well, we need to wear trousers. It's Monday. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Monday, in Monday in Barnes, there's typical no trousers day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, ladies, if you want to visit Barnsley, you're in for a second. <laughs> um, no, it's a, but it's an interesting one. It's an interesting medium because, as I say, I'm, I think the personality marketing is, is a big thing. And I think showing that you're a real person and actually proving that you can actually – deliver content no matter how you're dressed no matter where you are um and so on and so forth i think that's really important so by being able to just jump on periscope and chuck out there some really really good quality stuff even if you're just in a you know if you're planning for example i'm planning a talk at the minute i did a session on friday which was here's how i've gone through this process um and i had a cup of tea and i chatted through it and i think that medium is really really good for building up your personal brand and just showing people that you're a genuine person because yeah we all see like the fancy pictures there's a picture of me my profile picture on everything is me in a three-piece looking suit very sharp yeah i have to say we'll include but that in the show notes i look like that once a month <laughs> <laughs> so if people get that expectation when they meet me at a conference they're like oh is this loser in his green lantern t-shirt and no trousers you know it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really it. weird so you, you need to build that brand and i think periscope really really works for that and the format for me i just got lucky again i've got a format define challenge conquer which i can pretty much tailor to any kind of platform so yeah you know, that, that kind of did, did the job for me on the format i suppose it's, it's another medium at the end of the day so whatever it your is. content is you can always bring it to that mm -hmm. um i mean do you have any rules for like how long you you'd stay on periscope because i've noticed some people can sometimes stay on an awfully long time or do you kind of say right i'm going to follow my format and then i'm going to be off this 10 15 20 minutes or whatever it is yeah, again, another good question. Um, I think for the more impromptu ones, you just run until it feels natural not to not to be doing it. Um, but for me, for the small business lunch, I generally keep it to 15 minutes because it, it, it is aimed at people in the lunch hour. You know, it's aimed at people having a sandwich, 12 o'clock lunchtime on a Friday, get some fish and chips down, you get a can of Diet Coke or whatever, <laughs> and just, yeah. just chill out and watch it for 15 minutes. But man, you don't want to give more than 15 minutes because that's your entire lunch break gone. Um so I think as a general rule of thumb for me, I, I always try to keep it to the point, have a bit of a laugh, but when I'm done, I'm done. I don't try and drag it out so I get yeah, more hearts. That's or, it. You know. So there's the value. So if it's, you know, if it's 12 minutes, great. If it's a little bit longer, but yeah, try stick to your 15. I like yeah. it. And obviously what's nice is you've, you've thought about your avatar and you know how much time they have to give up which is something which i suppose people could also consider for periscope as well is how much time can people offer to you it's going to add value to them is there any any technology any pieces of kit that you're using or is it just you know headphones and on your on your mobile or what, what way are you doing because i've seen there's there's a, a wide range of how people are actually using it at the moment oh man you can get like you can be one of the guys, like all the gear, no idea guys, if you're not careful with Periscope. Man, there's just so much stuff out there. Um, so what I did was I kind of went pretty cheap on it because 
I'm, I just love buying stuff. I love buying gear, and I have to stop myself. So I went really cheap on this one. Um, so a lot of the time, I do use my iPhone headset. So if I'm just out and about, I'll do one, and it's just iPhone headset. For small business lunch, what I do, I've got a Joe Big Gorilla stand, which is like a 10-quid stand, which is amazing. It clips onto everything. And it's a little yeah. tripod thing as well. Really stunning bit of kit. It cost me about 10 quid. And I've got a lens, which is a macro lens, which again cost me about four quid off Amazon. It's not a fancy Olo clip or anything like that, but it does the same job. And the thing that I spent a little bit more money on is I've got a Rode SmartLav Plus, which is a lapel mic. And I yeah. pop that on and it's it still only costs like 30 quid. It's really, really low level stuff. But the cool thing with that is you can record podcasts on it as well. So if you're out and about, you can record a podcast on your phone. Um, and so, that does that quality is that good enough for for your listeners? Do you feel when you're you're listening to? And I haven't used one of those. So that's that's why I'm kind of asking more out of personal interest because I would do quite a lot of travel. So that's that's something which I might have to look into. Oh, it's stunning! It's stunning. I mean, you, you need to be in a quiet environment to use it. It's a mic that picks up all the background noise, um, but it's it's a really stunning bit of kit, which which really really works well. And if anyone's thinking about getting one, don't get the Rode Smart Lav. Get the Rode Smart Lav Plus because uh, the original one has got a lot of background hiss on it, but the new one hasn't. So it's, it's, it's a really good bit of kit. Should fit into the suitcase a little bit easier than the L Blue Yeti, anyway. I think anything uh, fit into this, like I'd fit in the suitcase better than a Blue Yeti. Yeah, yeah, I'm lugging it around the place, it's something They're else. massive. But uh, the other thing that I do use as well is sometimes I've got a Zoom H4 recorder um, and I've got an EV mic. So if you're doing a lot of that stuff, you can get a little EV ND767 mic, stick it into a recorder like the Zoom and then link that to the phone and that'll, that'll work well because you're not going to pick up any background noise then. Cool. Yeah, something to absolutely look into. Um, I suppose we're, you know, we're getting towards the end of the show here. Phil, is there anything else that you'd like to dig into before we let Mark get on with the rest of his day? There's loads, Mark. Absolutely loads. The one thing I do want to ask, and I kind of generally like to ask this to most of our, our guests on the show. Obviously, you've been around a long time. We've, we've had a little chat around that and you know, you're creating lots and lots of content. Is there one key thing that you have learned over the years of creating content that you just wish you knew at the start? You just got to keep going. No one ever tells you that. And people get bored of it. You know, people go, well, content doesn't work for me or social media doesn't work for me or SEO doesn't work for me. And most of the time it's because they give up after two weeks or they give up after three months or they've not made a million quid after a year. You know, they just give up. So you've got to be consistent. My, my, my general formula for success is content plus personality equals results. Um, and then if you add, if you add them into that mix, the word consistency, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, and again, it's it's just keep going. There's so many times you kind of see people going, yep, this isn't really working. You kind of go, well, show me, what are you doing? How often are you blogging? How often are you, are, you, are you on your social media platforms? Are you interacting with your audience? How often are you creating content just to build your list and get your name out there? And, you know, are you trying to get onto a podcast? Have you started your own podcast? There's loads of things you can do. And it's just amazing how many people aren't willing to do that, but yet want to see the results that we see a lot of people get online with successful businesses. And it's it, the mind boggles. You're like, well, you can't not do one and expect to get the other. It's not uh, the, how it works. It's crazy. And the biggest thing that really frustrates me is when people have people have so many different Twitter accounts. I got right when I started Excellence Expected, as someone said to me, "Well, you should really have a separate Twitter account for this. You know, I don't want to see all your business content as well as your personal stuff." My answer was, well, just unfollow me then. And they did, <laughs> and, <laughs> which was great. And 
the reason for that is that, listen, every idea that you have, you go and set a Twitter account up for it, which is brilliant because you feel like you've been really positive. Right, what's the next thing we'll do? We'll set a Twitter account up. Well, well done. You've got a Twitter account that's got absolutely jack all on it. And then what you do is you have five or six ideas over the course of a year, and each one of those ideas accrues 50, 60, 70, 100, 200 followers that you can't leverage, you can't use them. And no. then the people pop up on social media once a blue moon telling people, oh, we've got a sale on or look at our new products or look at why we've won an award and all that crap. And that's the only time you hear from them. Yeah, what a pain in the ass. And then, <laughs> you know, the, the point is, what happens if you want to pivot? What if you want to change? You can't leverage all those followers that you've got across these six daft little accounts that you set up on a Sunday morning because you mm. had an idea for a new type of goldfish. It just doesn't work. So, no, I agree with you. And it, it sounds silly, but the amount of people doing it, it's, it's so, it, there's, there's many of them. And you're just kind of going, really? That's what yeah. you're bringing to the table? Come it's on. It's crazy. And people, like, then that's when they say, well, social media don't work. Well, of course it doesn't work. You've got 15 accounts and no one cares about any of them. Whereas if you funnel everything into the one account, into your personal brand, if you like, then if you change, if you pivot, the, the, the people following you trust you. Mm. So it becomes so much easier to sell to them. It's, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer when you paint it out, but I can't fathom why people don't get it. No, and like I said, paint it out. Sometimes it does require a large piece of paper and some crayons. <laughs> it does. <laughs> well listen Mark um, I think we've taken up enough of your time thank you very much for coming on to the show we really appreciate it some great bits of information and even Paul got a bit of, a bit of his own info on some tech there for his for his phone and stuff coming up so that's he's, he's happy out with that just before we let you go of course Mark um, we've spoke about social media and stuff like that so where can people get you on Twitter or Facebook or wherever else you'd like to send them well, I'm, I'm Mr. Asquith on everything because all the cool names were gone. So I'm Mr. Asquith on everything. And uh, if you want any information, just do a Google search for Excellence Expected. And uh, you can search for that in the iTunes podcast store as well. So anything Excellence Expected or Mr. Asquith. And you'll get links to everything that I'm doing on there. Excellent. We'll make sure to stick them in the show notes so it'll be easier for you to get to them. Mark, again, thank you very much. Really, really appreciate you taking the time out. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, gents. Really appreciate that. And that was Mark Asquith of excellenceexpected.com. Another fantastic podcast. I was delighted that he came on. Um, so many great takeaways there uh, that I could really you know, go on all day. But a couple that jumped out was the first is he, he's very specific, very on point. And even if, if you look at all of the stuff or uh, his podcast or his website, Define, challenge, and conquer. You know, he knows exactly what he wants to do and stays on point. And that's something I thought was uh, we could we could all benefit. Um, the yeah, second, I mean, just just on that, Paul, as well. Yeah. One of the things he spoke about was that I he was saying when he was creating his content in the early days that he nearly bullet pointed those three three things. You know, the challenge, define, and conquer. Um, that he used to incorporate them within his articles, but he found it to be a bit limiting after a while. So he changed it. He wasn't afraid to, to mix it up and pivot and change, but yet had those three key principles in mind when it came to addressing uh, his audience within the content. So don't be afraid to mix it up just because you've done something maybe for six months or a year and you say, you know what, I want to pivot, I want to change, um, I'm slightly limiting myself here. I thought that was really clever that he was able to realize that that was actually kind of holding him back slightly and was able to change it and, and turn it around that quick. Yeah, and I think another point which you know helped him pivot and do those changes is he talks about personality, brand marketing, 
um, whatever phrase you want to coin. And he was a very loquacious guy. Well, you know, I it. love that word. I just love it. <laughs> Drop that in as much as you can. Um, so when it comes to the the brand marketing side of things, having one Twitter account, having you know yourself uh, as it, so not having say ten different Twitter, Facebook, whatever accounts for all of the various online businesses. And that, again, will allow you to, to pivot a little bit easier. So that's something which is quite interesting and kind of, you know, has me sitting back and, and thinking about, well, you know, how can can you really truly do that, depending on the, the areas that you're serving? And I think it is something that most people fail to do. And as a result, we see all these, I suppose, for once for a better phrase, ghost Twitter or ghost Facebook accounts that they got a bit of attention at one point in time and now they're forgotten about. Yeah, you know? and I mean, the, the, the interesting word I think that he used there was being able to leverage all those followers. That, you know, you might have 12 different accounts with a couple of hundred on each and you can't leverage them because they're so spread out. Whereas with one specific one, you can pivot and change again, which is another, again, he mentioned it twice. He's at the pivot and change and leverage those followers to uh, push them in a new direction, which I thought was very, very clever. Yeah, absolutely. And the final takeaway for me before we, uh, you know, I go on too much was the fact um, of having your, you know, your lead magnet or your email list and offering VIP content or content a little bit earlier to those guys, giving people, uh, again, another reason to sign up and join your list. Uh, and I really like the fact of being able to give people value that, you know, they wouldn't ordinarily get if they were just on your website or on your online business. And again, that is going to have people value you uh, and also giving you their, their email address and, and their attention. So um, that was the Mark Asquith episode of Content Academy. Uh, we have more coming along soon. So make sure that you are subscribed. And if you want to find out any more about creating great online content, go to content.academy. Our spiffy new URL nearly tripped me up there, Phil. It almost <laughs> did. It almost did. Well, that's it for us for the moment. We'll be back with you again with another great interview. And uh, have a good day. Thank you.